Hi, I'm Lindsay Tauber of Help Around, and I'm happy to welcome you to a specialty patient podcast with your host, Ishai Knobel. Each episode is crafted to bring you new insights into the specialty drug ecosystem. Our guests share Help Around's passion for improving the patient experience and making specialty patients' lives easier. I hope you enjoy listening to this session. Welcome back to the Health Around Specialty Patient Podcast. And today we have Jordan Russo, Director of Patient Services at Cure Kareen. And I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. I probably am not, but you'll, you'll forgive me. Welcome, Jordan. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So, so Jordan, let's just dive right in. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about about what brought you to patient services. So you used to be at, at Conduent on the patient services side. You were at Insmed with your first drug launch. Now um, you're at Kyokurin. Like, tell me what was that, why, why are you here now? And anything else you want to share about your background? Sure, happy to do that. Yeah, so before I get started, just one quick administrative thing. I just need to say that um, my views, thoughts, and opinions are um, mine only. They only belong to me and not necessarily do not necessarily represent the views of uh, Kiowa Kirin or its affiliates. So now that I got that out of the way, (laughs) um, so yeah, I um, totally honestly, kind of accidentally fell into patient services um, as I was in college. Um, Started as a college job um, back in those days. It was uh, really just true patient assistance program, um, data entry kind of call center type work, as, as truly as, as the entry level position. And um, I fell in love with it right away. I, I was studying psychology. It was one of the passions that I had. And um, <clears throat> I was connecting with people on a regular basis and, and helping them get the medication that they needed. So um, worked my way up through that organization at, at Inventive Health, which we got purchased a couple of times and, and ended up as, as conduit um, and, and obviously really, you know, fell in love with, with patient services as, as um, a career. So I uh, decided to make the leap of faith over to the manufacturer side of things at Insmed. Um, and as you mentioned, launched their first ever uh, commercial product in, in the rare disease space. Uh, built out an internal patient services, kind of a, a hybrid model, but an internal patient services organization there. Um, and uh, I'm now starting to do the same thing at, at Kiowa Kieran while supporting uh, the, the uh, existing patient support programs across, across our brands. So tell me, as you go, uh, as you went through this journey, um, you know, things have changed. You got different perspectives uh, on patient services. Specialty has become a thing right? A big thing. Um, how have things evolved uh, as you see it in the past, let's say, three or five years? Uh, where were we then and where are we now? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, as I mentioned, when I started, which is longer than, than that, um, it was really mainly about um, financial support and financial support alone. So it was, you know, patient, true patient assistance for uninsured patients. Their copay programs were, were there, but um, really just about the financial aspect of, of it. And, and back then we, we had a few small programs doing the, what I call kind of traditional hub services um, today, which is that, that reimbursement, the benefit investigation, the prior authorization support, um, and doing all those types of things. And, and I think, you know, the trend now that, that specialty um, is, is a thing, as you said, um, is really around 
uh, the, the adherence component of things and supporting patients throughout their duration of therapy, providing them with the resources and information that they need to have um, a successful treatment journey as long as it's deemed appropriate uh, by their physician. Right. And so, so when you put together this puzzle now, and it is a puzzle, right? You go to patient services. I mean, you have like what? You launch a drug and then patient services team coming together maybe two years before the launch, maybe a year and a half before the launch. Uh, and you start putting the puzzle together. What are the, and, and granted, there's going to be a lot of variability, but from you've seen, what are some of the best practices from your point of view? What order should you work uh, towards putting together that puzzle, um, what should be your top priorities uh, as a patient services team? Yeah, so I mean, I'm glad to hear you say bringing on the patient services team, you know, a year and a half, two years in advance, because I think that is so important. Um, you know, not to be cliche, but planning, 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 right? And and a lot of organizations, you know, coming back from Coming from the service provider side of things, you know, we had um, companies come to us and say, hey, we're launching in, you know, 120 days or, or 90 days. Can you pull a program together? And, and we could, but, um, you know, that that two years that you talked about is so critical, especially when you're talking specialty, when you're talking rare disease, and you really need to understand the specific patient need. So this isn't a one size fits all. There isn't, you know, a magic wand that, that gets um, wanded over, <laughs> over the brand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the word is. I'm actually not um, sure either. <laughs> um, to, to figure out what the right services are, it, it really is unique to the brand, unique to the way that the product is administered unique to, you know, how often the treatment is supposed to be taken. I mean, there, what your market access landscape is going to look like or not. I mean, there are so many different variables to your point and, and levers, for lack of a better term, that, that, that um, need to be pulled to establish what, what a good model is. So, I mean, I, I really think that starts with if you have the time and, and you can do it, um, patient market research and, and really focusing on the patient and understanding what their journey has been to this product, and then how um, we anticipate their journey going on this product and sharing that with them and making sure that, that we have it right, that we're identifying where there may be gaps in their understanding or knowledge and where we need, where we may need to fill um, some of those needs. So, I mean, it, it really is, you know, patient support program specific market research, not just kind of your, your general stuff. Um, <laughs> So I think that's key. Um, and then, you know, you move into planning phase. So you figure out what that is and, and then, you know, how best is that supported? Is it a program that, you know, maybe not, may not need as, as high touch, quote unquote, as a model? Is it a product that, you know, the access is going to be great and we're not going to have issues? Um, you know, then, then you don't want to kind of pull all the, the bells and whistles out. But um, it, when you're talking rare and specialty, usually the, the answer is, probably not, and, and further down the spectrum um, of complexity, for lack of a better term. So, I mean, it's it's such a cross-functional um, build. It's, you know, it's not just patient services siloed away. I mean, you're, you're with your broader market access team. You're working with marketing to understand how this fits into the overall brand strategy and what it's going to look like. Um, you're working with channel to make sure that you're integrating appropriately with any distribution channels that, that are happening. 
Um, you've probably got, you know, even if you're doing it internally, um, you've got other vendors that are supporting, um, you know, doing some of the back end work or maybe some field services or, or things like that. But identifying the right services um, is critical and, and takes a lot of time and effort to understand um, as an organization up front. So that's sort of kind of pulling all, all the parts together and establishing how you're going to um, do this model. And then, you know, once you figure out how you do it, the, the execution is, is nothing but challenging. Um, simply because, you know, you, again, there are so many moving parts, you're probably integrating somewhere between five and 10 different technology platforms or data sources or whatever the case may be. That's right. Um, and, so that and, becomes... and no, that, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. And, and, but let, let me, let me kind of, you know, here's what we see out there. After all that work, you launch a drug, and the numbers that we are seeing of patient awareness and utilization of patient support programs, I don't want, I don't know if it's all time low, but it is, I don't know, it, it, used, it was 19% five years ago, according to Accenture. Now it's 16% five years later. So, there are so many vendors involved. There are so many. I mean, you work so hard and spend so much money on all these services, and then we are still getting such low utilization and awareness. So, what are we doing wrong? What What should we do differently? Yeah, that's a, a really good question, and and I think um, part of what us I just described is is part of the answer to that. Honestly, I, I feel like. Um, there's a lot being done in the industry today, both on the manufacturer side of things, as well as the, the hub vendor side of things, um, to, to focus more again on, on that adherence portion of things, which really drives a focus on the patients and the patient population and, and not trying to sort of fit that one size fits all model into every brand. So if I'm a pharma organization and I'm supporting a portfolio of 10 products, I need to have sort of a, a, a portfolio of services from a patient support perspective that I can lever on and lever off for different products. And honestly, I feel like in the, in, you know, the not too distant past, um, it, it's, people tried to do this sort of like one size fits all bottle. You know, we set ourselves up with a vendor and then every launch just went over to that vendor and uh, they got the same services and, and, you know, what worked worked and what didn't, you know, it, it didn't. And um, I think people are, are starting to focus now more on understanding that each brand is different. Each, each patient population has a different need. Um, there are specific requirements that, that make sense for, for some products and, and not others. Again, really dependent on the administration, you know, how much of an impact can we really have on that patient's journey as well? I mean, there are some drugs where it makes a ton of sense and where it's totally necessary. And there are some products that it, it's almost seen as, as more burdensome than, than anything else. And I think it's really careful to, to understand that and, and have a balance um, associated with that. So I think we're getting there. Um, the, the the recent drop from I think nineteen and sixteen were the numbers that you quoted. You know, it's can we say COVID? Can that be can that be the answer for it? 
Um, no, but, but seriously, and, and hear me out, you know, I, I really think, you know, so doctors are not the people that are talking to patients about patient support programs. It's never your prescriber. It's, it's the nurse or it's the front health, the front desk person or whoever that case may be. So I think the shift to telemedicine, which has been accelerated by COVID, um, honestly, is going to make this a little bit more challenging for us because you lose that middleman, you lose that sort of smiling face that's, you know, there to swoop in after the doctor to answer all your questions and, and follow up with the, the, the take home. Um, here's, by the way, call this number or go online and, and enroll in this program. We're losing that. So how right. can we, how can we integrate into telemedicine to, to, um, to offer these services and, and to do these things? I, I think is where we need to be thinking about too. Yeah, and that's going to be a huge, a huge uh, undertaking, right? Because also from a regulatory point of view, you have the you have the EMR or telemedicine, and that is not necessarily integrated. I mean, you need to collect that opt-in, right? For for you know for the hub program, um, but there are some you know of course you know we as a mobile patient support company, we are propon- proponents of of the patient is always on mobile, even if they're old, even young even if they're you know caregiver they're going to be talking to the patient to the doctor in clinic or at home they will always have their mobile with them and and that's and, and that's an opportunity um i think that you know do you feel that uh the vendors like hubs and um and you know even even the sps even especially pharmacies or copay uh, do you feel that you need to push them towards patient centricity of meet the patient where they are, or is it, is it more push or more pull in your experience as a manufacturer? It's a good question. I, I think it's um, it's becoming more. I mean, the hub vendors are are really starting to to get there, and I think they're really. It's becoming more of a push from them and a recommendation from them. I will say that is like very recently though, within the last, I don't know, I would say two years, maybe even less than that. Um, Whereas it was, you know, I feel like for a long time too, you know, pharma was was leaning on the hub vendors to just kind of be the expert in this and and just provide recommendations and, and run the programs. Whereas now I think again, specialty becoming a thing and, and just this, this, greater need and, and focus on these types of programs, I think it's more us driving the narrative now, but that's requiring that they get more savvy with their recommendations and, and um, offerings that they have available. So they're doing a little bit more of that, that pushing too, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. And as a manufacturer, I mean, do you see, I mean, part of the biggest problem or, cha- or hurdle or challenge for you guys to come is the integration piece, right? So you have... That vendor for copay, that that list of SPs, that hub, that uh, you know SMS vendor, like and this this integration of putting this all together. Where should it live in an ideal scenario? Should it live with you? Is that are you the integrator, or is it something you would want to outsource, or like you know what, what's about what's your best practice recommendation there? Yeah, I mean I. Um... So I am a firm believer, yes, in the integrations for sure, and yes, in the technology, absolutely. To your earlier point, though, meeting patients where they are, I personally believe that it is critical to have a person driving that. 
Um, so still having a dedicated case manager who understands you and your journey and um, knows how you want to be communicated with and, and drives that. So they're the ones who are, you know, not literally, it's, it is automated and there's technology happening, but pushing the buttons to say this person wants to receive more text messages and a little less email or vice versa, whatever the case may be. So um, I think that, you know, doing it internally as an organization, um, you know, there's, there's that level of commitment and dedication to the company, to the patient, to the products that is there when you do it internally as an organization. Um, if there was a vendor that could, you know, shake the crystal ball and one of them gets all of that 100% right and does it extremely well and can still, um, you know, create that same experience and have that same commitment and passion and dedication. I mean, I think, you know, people are just so used to outsourcing patient services and that's kind of what, what everybody does. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I would consider it, but I, I do think there is a different level of commitment and dedication with an internal team. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, would you outsource your something that is so core to, to what you do, right? It's like, this is what we do. We we support patients on a journey and can we just outsource the whole thing? I I, I'm not, I think I would be a little nervous, <laughs> frankly. Completely uh, agree. I mean, the, these are the only people in your organization that are talking to your patients. That's it. There's, you know, maybe an adverse event hotline here or there, something like that. But this is your, you know, you've got your your doctor experience covered with your sales team. This is your patient experience. And, and what do you want your consumer experience to be like? Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And I think, and I think you know, as you look across all these uh, parts of the patient experience, uh, at the end of the day, what do you want to control is the patient experience, right? So let's say that you end up replacing your hub, right? I mean, if you have you ever through a hub re replacing a hub? I've done transitions, yeah. I've been through not far, not fun. No, 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 no. <laughs> not fun, not, not fun at, at all. all. Um, but like, imagine, imagine, you know, if you could really just take out the engine and maintain the same interaction level. Uh, you know, so it's basically the same car. The engine is a little different, but you still, but the car just goes better. But from the patient, from the patient still goes into the car and drives it the same way. Nothing changed. Uh, maybe it goes a little faster, maybe if you, you know, the gas consumption is a little better, but overall the experience is the same. So, so, you know, that, that's probably, is that, is there anything that you learn in that experience of, of switching one hub with another that in hindsight you would say, you know what, I'm going to set up a program, I'll be more prepared in case something doesn't go well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the obvious of, of like, making sure that, that, you know, nothing falls through the cracks from a, a you know, data transition and, and all of those stuff. I mean, honestly, that, that is um, one of the most challenging pieces is just making sure that, you know, nothing gets lost in the shuffle quite, quite literally um, throughout the process. But I, I think, you know, really understanding, like, why are you transitioning your hub and, and what is it and, and what are you aiming for and, and where are you trying to optimize and, and gain efficiencies? And I think those are very different answers and, and kind of very different key learnings, right? So if, if if your driver is to save money, that you know, that's very different than your driver being, you know, our patients are dissatisfied with the program and 
caring enough about, you know, things like patients had it, are you running satisfaction surveys and how are you doing that? And, and, how, and I think that, you know, that all drives how you measure the transition. If your goal was to save money, are you saving money? All right, check the box. That's great. <laughs> if your goal was to improve the patient experience, making sure that you know what you mean by that and having the means to measure that appropriately um, when you transition so that, you know, you can go back to, to the brand, to the business, to whoever you need to go to and say, yes, this was successful. And we should continue to invest in this because now if, if you're transitioning, my guess is that your sales team has probably had a negative experience with the program at that point. Um, you're, you know, therefore the whole brand, everyone's got a negative experience at that point, if you're transitioning, most likely. So, you know, you got to be able to prove that, that it was worth it to change it. It's, it's worth it to keep it around. Um, and, and it's worth the, the investment as an organization. So you got to be really clear on, on how you want to measure that. And one of the things that you mentioned before we started was, you know, different patients should have different experiences, right? Because one patient prefers a phone call, one patient just wants to talk to the same case manager. Some of them just don't want to talk to anyone. They just want a text message. Click, check, 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 leave me alone. And other patients want, you know, they're like sitting and reading the education materials and they want to get an A plus in, in the exam. Um, so are we on our way? to, uh, um, you know, giving different experiences to different patients? Yeah, I, I think we are. I think this focus um, or shift to, to adherence and, and how to support that is a huge one. Um, that, you know, that's where, the, that's where the, the experience gets different, right? I mean, your experience is relatively similar as you're onboarding onto the product, you know, the, the traditional hub services, you, you may have a different insurance company, but it's relatively the same process. So it's really, you know, once you're, it's your whole journey prior to treatment, which is huge. And then it's kind of grounds your education and, and understanding of the disease and the drug and, and all of that. And then also sets you up for what is your journey going to be like? And, and what gaps do we need to fill for you based on your journey to get here? And they may be very different for that A plus student versus the person that just wants text messages all the time. So it's not just about how we communicate to you, but it's also about what we are communicating to you and at what point in your journey are we communicating that to you so that you're not being either you know overwhelmed and scared off or um, we're overbearing and we're, we're providing too much information, um, to you and you just find us annoying. Um, there's, there's a balance there as well. So I, I think that focus, um, from the industry just generally on, on that component of things is, is huge one. Um, and then two, I think, you know, this is where I'll, I'll be like the cliche kind of, you know, we need to bring in machine learning and, and advanced analytics and, and all that stuff. But I do believe it. I think um, patient services is a place where we don't take advantage of the data that we have. Um, there is so much information that can be um, aggregated and understood in a compliant way, um, but at the patient level to drive that experience and to make it unique and to learn, you know, this is what we shared with you last time. This is how your behavior has changed since then. And here's what we need to talk to you about this time. Um, and it's, I think we can get there. I think we're, we're not there yet. We're probably not even close to there. Um, but, but we can get there. I, I think, um, 
it's 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 a really exciting place to be in. And uh, I, I'm I'm going to be, of course, we're uh, diehard kind of uh, fans and uh, dedicated uh, uh, company for for you know meeting patients where they are. And I think uh, from what I'm hearing, you know, I think so is pharma, but we are there are just so many so many kind of levers that need to be adapted and adjusted. Uh, so that we really get to that point when the patient um, gets what they want, what they need, and when they need it. We're absolutely on our way there, and we should be continuing pushing this forward as an industry. So we talked about Magic Wand. We talked about uh, uh, Crystal Balls. We are we're kind of a magical Harry Potter uh, experience today. So if you could wave your Magic Wand and change one thing about the specialty patient experience, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, I, so from, you know, most importantly for the patient, just bottom, I, well, across the board for both, but but simpler. I mean, we talked about the integrations. We talked about all the stuff. We talked about, I mean, if I'm a patient I and I just get prescribed a drug, I might get a phone call from like five people within the first three days of, of having that prescription in my hand. And that to me is just horrifying and would send my anxiety levels through the roof. So, um, so making it simpler for them and, and simpler for us to execute on it. I mean, the, the, the wand is like pharma companies sell drugs directly to patients and there aren't 15 middlemen in between and there's no regulatory requirements and we can just go tell them how to use it, what to do with it, you know, how to help with adverse events if we needed to. Um, you know, that's, that's the magic wand, right? But there's so much red tape um, in between there that, that legally makes that not okay, one. Um, so we'll right. never be able to get through those things unless major things change. Um, and that's good. It, it protects the patients. It protects the providers and, and make sure that, that um, we're doing the right thing as, as pharma. So that's necessary. But, um, you know, if that, that's, that's magic wand, though, just being able to, to truly help them in every way that we possibly could um, without all of the red tape around and, and all yep. of the steps and different people. You're here to that. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, I want to say big thank you. This was really great. And any messages to the nation? Anything you would tell all your fellow pharma patient services folks? Um, what what would you have loved to know three, five, seven years ago that uh, you wish someone had told you? Um, you know, I, I think it's really just, again, about one, I, I think that the real message is is don't lose sight of, of the patient, right? I mean, it's really easy to lose sight of the patient when, you know, you're in the middle of budget planning season right now, like I am, or you're sitting at, you know, the big executive level meetings and talking about brand performance and, and all that. I mean, the, that's, that's the key is don't lose sight of those people that are on the other end of the, the phone, the text or whatever. Um, who are struggling to, to get a medication, to stay on a medication, um, to stay alive, potentially. And, and I think that's yeah. really important um, to always remember and, and not lose sight of that, specifically in patient services within a pharma organization. I mean, the other component, again, is, is just making sure that, that you understand that level of complexity, understand what level of complexity is necessary for your product, what things are needed and what things aren't, and not trying to, to, to put everything into that one-size-fits-all kind of glove of a program and making sure that, that you know what you're executing on, you know why you're doing it and how you're measuring it, and that you can 
um, make sure that, that it's as successful as it can be in, in creating a seamless experience for patients. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this was really fun. And um, I want to thank everyone who joined us to listen to this now. And if anyone uh, wants to reach out, Jordan, are you on LinkedIn? What's your favorite, uh, the favorite way to reach out to you? Yeah, LinkedIn is great. As you mentioned before LinkedIn. we got started, there's, there isn't a forum to, to talk to people about this stuff. So LinkedIn is honestly the place where I find a lot. So LinkedIn is perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, and uh, we'll see you in our next session of uh, Health Radiation Experience podcast. Thanks for joining. And have a great summer, everyone. Thank you, Jordan. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Specialty Patient Podcast. Follow us for even more episodes on any of your preferred podcast streaming services, including Apple and Spotify. You have a suggestion for a topic or a guest? Please send an email to lindsay at helpround.co. And for more information on Helparound, visit helpround.co.